Hello and welcome to Kaplan's NCLEX PrepCast, brought to you by KaplanNursing.com, which offers prep courses for the NCLEX RN and NCLEX PN examinations. In today's podcast episode, we're going to be talking all about a topic that relates very much to your life in nursing school. In fact, probably just about any schooling that you go through, very useful topic, which is adapting the right study habits to get you through your program. What are the best practices? What are the ways that we should be thinking about our study habits through school? And we have an excellent instructor with us who's going to help us through this very topic, and that is Karen Lilliquist. She has been, for those of you who have not heard her previous podcast episode, she has been in the nursing world, has been an educator and even an NCLEX instructor with Kaplan for about the last 25 years. So has a wealth of experience and is very knowledgeable in the world of testing and studying. So hello and welcome back to Karen. How are you? Fine, thanks. Um, Thanks for having me back. Of course. And for those of you who are, for those of those listeners, I should say, who might have missed out on your last podcast episode, which you should definitely go back and listen to if you haven't, um, would love if you could tell the folks at home a little bit about yourself. My name is Karen. I live in Minnesota. And yes, I've been with Kaplan for 25 years, started with them after I I graduated from, from nursing school. And I've done a little bit of everything, I think. Worked in long-term care, worked in home care. Um, Currently, I'm back in school. I am a family nurse practitioner and going back for a psych mental health postgraduate certificate. So I guess I I enjoy teaching, but maybe even more, I enjoy going to school. Yeah, it's wonderful when we have our instructors who are passionate about education, because that is what we are all about here at Kaplan. (laughs) Uh, I asked this on the last show, and since it is still really the beginning of the year, I wanted to ask you as well, Karen, what are your goals or what is your number one goal for 2018? I'm hoping to graduate um, with my postgraduate certificate and take my certification exam. Um, So I'll be kind of in the same seat as our nursing students, but I'll be finishing that up at the end of summer. Oh, wonderful. I think when we, whenever you do, we'll have to share it out so that the listeners know you got through the program. <laughs> and, uh, that would be great. Yes. Yeah. We'll hope that they'll share their success stories as well. And maybe some of the lessons they took away from this episode. So I guess transitioning then into talking a little bit about these study habits. I know you said you were passionate about education and you've obviously been in the world of education for a while. So uh, starting with an overarching topic if or an overarching question, what is you know what are a couple of the takeaways that you've had or themes that you've taken away from your experience in school in terms of what it means to study effectively? I think two things really and and looking at nursing school, be ready to be overwhelmed um, and, and we're going to talk about ways that you can minimize that feeling, but there's a lot that kind of jumps out at you at the beginning of any semester, beginning of any quarter. Um, midterm finals, that can be overwhelming because you still need to figure out how to live your life. Um, So I think being prepared for that allows you to set something up to minimize that feeling. And then I think the other thing is really needing to put aside time each day to study. And you don't have to read every day, you don't have to do test questions every day, but keep your mind focused on your schooling so that you don't get behind. Because once you're behind, it's honestly, it's really difficult to get caught up. Yeah, great advice. And I know we're going to, like you said, dive into some of these 
specifics of each one of those areas. And I want to start with that first point you said about being prepared to be overwhelmed. And I think that's just a matter of expectation versus reality. When you're, when you're, when the reality of your situation doesn't match your expectations, that's when you feel overwhelmed. You can have a lot of work to do, but not feel overwhelmed. So I guess my first question is related to that. How can a student minimize their feeling of being overwhelmed? How can they feel less overwhelmed? I think if you have a schedule, or for me, I put together a calendar of what I need to do, not only each day, but I can look ahead and see what does my week look like, what does my month look like, and if you can get other members of your family on that same page, then their expectations are going to be perhaps muted um, as far as you don't have all of that extra free time. So that schedule is nice. Um, I, I would recommend kind of looking at the big picture if you look at a month, um, what, what has to be done? And for some folks, that's work. Um, you, you likely have things that are planned with your family, but other things like test dates, um, due dates for papers, or any kind of major assignments, the things that are non-negotiable, put on that calendar in pen. They're, those are kind of those drop-dead dates. But then you also want to pencil in other things other things, for example, how about time for yourself? Do you go to the gym um, a couple times a week? Do you want to go out for coffee with your best friend once or twice a week? Do you just need time to take a nap? Um, if you can put those in your calendar also, then you're scheduling time for yourself and you can't just study. Um, that's what makes it overwhelming because I'm just continuing to focus and focus, but take that time for yourself. If you have it on a calendar, you tend not to overbook. So I think that's important. And if it's on a calendar, let's say, you know, something fun is happening. So I might have studying on Friday morning, but yet my best friend is coming to town and we want to go to the Mall of America. I can easily say, well, shoot, I've got study time penciled in, but I can slide it maybe over to Saturday morning so that I can still do something on the spur of the moment, but I don't lose that planned study time. Yeah, that's all great advice. And I think following up on that, a couple of questions. One, how can, uh, what, what, what would you do with that calendar? What do you do with that calendar? And also thinking about that, what would you recommend in terms of a calendar format? Is it something that you would have as a, uh, you know, one of those uh, refrigerator, <laughs> calendars that you have up on the fridge? Is it something that you keep on your wall? Is it something that you, you know, a calendar in your phone? Is it a, do you take a, a day book with you and keep your calendar there? So what do you recommend in terms of the formatting of your calendar to keep you on track? And then once you've created the calendar, how do you keep yourself on track with your schedule? Yeah, great question. And I think how you utilize the calendar is going to depend on the person. So for example, I have mine um, I use a, a Google calendar, so I've got it connected to my phone. I have it on my computer or all of my computers, I guess. And then I, I print it out so I can always have it in my bag and carry it. And that way I can add to it when I need. Um, but I, I know that some students are very tech savvy. So having it on their phone is awesome. And then I have students that need to have a date book and everything goes in that date book. So it really depends on how do you, the individual, work with a calendar. Um, but then as far as how do I use it, a couple of things. Uh, number one, the night before I, I go to bed, I look at tomorrow's calendar and set alarms for each thing. 
So for example, today I'm teaching a class, so I needed an alarm. I have the podcast with you, so an alarm for that. And that just keeps me on track and reminds me that I need to switch gears. But then on a bigger picture, maybe on Sunday nights or Sunday afternoons, I take a look at the week. What does my week look like? Okay, I've got a test on Friday. So I know that I have to spend a little bit extra time Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. And even more than that, I plan what am I going to do with each of those study times. That allows, that allows me to, when I sit down to study, focus on those things. Because I can get sidetracked pretty easily. And if I simply have studying, it takes me 5, 10, 15 minutes to figure out, well, what should I be studying? But if I know that on Monday, I'm going to rewrite my notes. And Tuesday, I will look at our online question bank and do some questions. Wednesday, I'm going to go back to my notes and correspond those with the lectures so that I really make best use of my time. I guess the third thing maybe is to look at where are some of my pockets of time. I think most nursing students, we carry our books wherever we go. So if I get to school early, I may you know, find a quiet area in the library or the coffee shop and just pull out my notes from the week before and, and just review those so that I am always using kind of that extra time that I have. That's all great advice. And I agree that the alert, that there are a couple things you said. Number one, looking at your calendar for the week ahead as you're entering a new week is a great way to wrap your head around what you need to accomplish. And then the same thing, I do the exact same thing looking the night before I go to bed, look at the calendar for the next day and see what I need to accomplish, what's on the list, make sure the alerts are set up for all those things. And even with having to maybe travel, travel from one place to another, I know there were, if you include, I know that uh, iCal does this in Mac, but if you have the uh, address listed in there. It'll even tell you based on where you are, how long it's going to take you to get there. So you can plan <laughs> with the alert on when you should leave, which is really great. But as you were talking, I was thinking about how when we do schedule study time, we're often not accurate with how, and especially in the beginning and how realistic it's, it really is to study for like, if we, we might've scheduled for, you know, 12 o'clock to two o'clock to study this one topic, but that might be too long or it might be too short. So how do we really adapt to what actually happens as we study with our calendar and our schedule? So if it takes too little time to, if, if we study really efficiently, do we take that extra time off? And on the flip side, what happens if we don't schedule enough time to study a particular topic? Well, that's a great question. And, and I think, again, it depends on the individual as far as how well does that person anticipate in terms of what study time will look like. And the more you study, the more you understand yourself and your study skills, I think you are able to fine tune that several weeks into the quarter. Um, but as far as what do you do with that extra time? Um, maybe it is you need to take a nap. Um, maybe it, you want to spend time with your family. Uh, or you might say, hey, you know, yesterday I, I didn't complete what I thought I would get done. So perhaps you're using that time where you have planned too little time to study. And one way to kind of minimize that or minimize that, that difference or maximize using your time effectively is 
to make notes about basically what are you going to plan to study. Um, and if you are reviewing a chapter, that might take some person longer than another. So being clear, I'm going to study these five pages or I'm going to read this chapter. And using that time effectively, I think, helps. But again, the calendar is nice because you can, if I didn't get it all done Monday, I can slide some of that work over to Tuesday, perhaps, or Wednesday. It, it kind of holds you accountable. Yeah, that makes sense. And it's also, I, I like how you said that it's, to rephrase, you, 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 know, you get to know yourself and how long it's going to take you. So it's almost a work in progress. <laughs> yep, absolutely. And it, and it changes because there's different variables every day. Absolutely. So then, all right, so we've talked a lot about what I would bracket together, bucket together as time management and, and the idea of, of calendaring study time. So now let's dive in a little bit more into really effective study habits. How, now that you have this study time scheduled, how exactly are you supposed to study? What's the best way to go about it? Know your instructor, number one. Um, because part of that feeling of overwhelmed or being overwhelmed is I have so much to read or I have all of these assignments due or I'm juggling three, three nursing classes perhaps. How do I prioritize? Um, one of the things I tell my students is really speak with your instructor and find out what does that individual feel is most important in terms of is it reading the material because lecture is supplemental or lecture is a little bit more in depth than what the book is or is it lecture is going to be of primary importance and use the book to fill in where you don't understand. So I think being able to prioritize what you need to study during that time is very helpful. Another thing to look at is what's the outline that the teacher provides. And, and generally speaking, if you look at course curriculum, you have you know, overall goals of the nursing program, but each class should have objectives or student learning outcomes, if you focus on those, it's very likely as the instructor sets up the course that the test questions come from those class objectives. And so it, it's a better way to focus on what you need to, focus on the need to know as opposed to the nice to know. I guess another thing to look at is in terms of do I memorize the material? Do I make study flashcards? Do I, or, or do I really need to figure out how do I apply my knowledge? And depending on where you are in the nursing program, that might be a little bit of a difference. So, you know, Kaplan uses Bloom's taxonomy, the licensure exam uses Bloom's taxonomy, and really so should your nursing curriculum, where initially we do need to learn the foundation, we need to learn the content. And in those later semesters, we're focusing more on application. So early on, you may need to memorize things. These are the bones of the body, or these are the steps to the procedure. And in that case, having flashcards or having a very detailed outline might be real helpful. But as you move forward in the nursing program, it's better. And you will retain more if you can really apply that knowledge. So if I'm looking at, at chest tubes and trying to teach my students about that, what I like to do is pull in, a, pull in an example. So here's your client. Here's the client's signs and symptoms. Here's how we can apply how to take care of that client with a chest tube. What can go right and what can go wrong? And that way you're doing a little bit of problem solving. 
education becomes key. And, and ideally, that's where you'll be at by the time you finish nursing school, because of course that's what the licensure is focused on, is really looking at, at application of knowledge. Yeah, and that's great. And as you said, as, as an instructor, you, it's great that you like to try to provide your students with those opportunities to move beyond memorization and look into applying what they've learned. But for, let's say, the student who, whose instructor hasn't done that necessarily, uh, or they're looking to build upon what their instructor has provided them, let's say they just, you know, they're studying for an exam and they want to move beyond memorization to that you know, critical understanding and application of what they've been memorizing. What can a student do with the resources they have to move beyond memorization? Yeah, a couple of things. Um, number one is the clinical experience, or perhaps you have a simulation lab. Is that if you can take that content that you have and put yourself in a position where you have to apply it. So how do you explain to a client a procedure? How do you explain to the client what medication you will be giving and why? So being able to have to provide that explanation is a great way to test yourself. Do I understand it well enough? So, you know, that practical application. Another thing is quite often, I mean, some students are required to have ebooks, so you're already on the computer. Um, other students have traditional, you know, hardcover books, but in most cases, students have access to electronic portion of that book. So check that out, and you're looking at getting outlines. You may have test questions that are available in that electronic database. Many of those programs also have different case studies. And so there again, it may not be presented in class, but within the online materials that come with your book, you've got a couple of different ways to apply your knowledge. Yeah, and I'm, I'd be surprised <laughs> if many students did decide to, you know, take out some case studies that weren't assigned to them. But you're right. Well, it's right. A, but it's definitely a great way to study. It's a great way to, like you said, apply what you've learned. So even if it's unassigned, it's a great idea to move into those case studies. Uh, it's probably the easiest thing to access <laughs> and try to apply some of your knowledge there. So uh, thinking still about studying, I want to ask a top a question that I know a lot of our students will ask us as well, and that is thinking about whether it's more effective to study by yourself or with a group, and if it's with a group, how many is the, the optimal number of study partners? So what are your thoughts on that in terms of studying alone versus studying with a, a partner or two? I kind of like to study myself, so that's what I do, but I'm going to say, do as I say, not as I do, because right. having that study group really gives you an advantage. Um, if we look at, at research, if you're an active participant in your studies, so in other words, working with peers or applying it to the clinical setting, um, you retain about 80 to 90% of what you learn because you're interacting with that material. You have to understand it well enough to have that interaction versus if you simply read the content out of your textbook, you retain about 30% or if you're just listening in lecture, you retain about 10%. So it, having that group is really important. Um, the, the makeup of that group is just as important. Sometimes having a study group with your best friend 
isn't a good option because you'll spend time kind of giggling and gabbing as opposed to getting work done. So ask yourself, A, what kind of learner are you? Um, we've got folks that they learn visually or folks that learn hands-on. Um, make your study group kind of a mix of that because then you can help each other out. Having that study group meet at a certain time each week is important. For example, I had students last year who after clinical, three of them went back to the college and they finished their clinical work that same day before they went home. And, and they worked as a group simply because they could talk about it. Um, so if I'm looking for complications of this paracentesis, they could talk about it together. And not only could they then learn about those different procedures or those different diagnoses, but it was a way to bounce ideas off of. So it, it's a way that you can broaden your knowledge without having to read everything yourself. Uh, another thing to look at is, is it the right environment? Um, studying in a coffee shop may or may not work for you. It may depend on the coffee shop. There is a, a bit of a dull roar at a coffee shop, and so that allows you to maybe not be distracted by silence, but is it too distracting? So you have to look at that yourself in terms of is it the library, is it a coffee shop, is it um, at somebody's kitchen table? That depends on, on the individual. And you know, the last thing is really to look at how do you get your team on board? And, and so making a few ground rules before you start that study group is helpful. It kind of holds people accountable. And it's very okay to say to someone, I know that last night, you know, you had a great time, but for these two hours, I, I just need to focus on school. So let's talk about that after we're done. And, and it's really okay to hold people accountable to get your studying done. All great advice. And like you said, we'll follow what you say, not what you do. I'm, I'm in the same boat when I like to study. I typically study alone, but now I might need to start considering studying with a group based on what you're saying. So uh, great advice there. Another question I have in regards to studying is, you know, what else besides reviewing a lecture or reading a textbook? I know you mentioned making flashcards, but what else can students do? And I know we have the case studies as well, uh, but what else can students do uh, to help with studying for a nursing school exam? Yeah, great question. I mean, I think A, it, you will go over your notes. Um, B, probably use your textbook as a supplement to those notes. C, speak with other students, uh, kind of walking through the notes or asking questions of each other. And then we talked about those online resources. But a couple of other things, is perhaps your college has you know maybe a tutoring center or a writing coach those are, are resources that a lot of students don't tap but those tutors might have some great ideas about how can you retain more when you read or how can you take notes more effectively so that you're not scrambling to write every word that the teacher says you're really writing concepts or big pictures i, I talked about speaking with a professor um, or the instructor, because everyone is just a little bit different, but meeting with that instructor and finding out what is that instructor's priority can absolutely help you. It's a matter of kind of understanding that you're not alone in it. You have resources um, to study from, 
But then again, you've got those friends or classmates to simply say, man, I'm, I'm kind of feeling overwhelmed. And, and I think that you'll find you're not alone. And sometimes just having that knowledge that everyone's struggling right now gives you a bit of peace of mind. I'm glad you brought up that point because that's the big thing. And we've talked about this in many podcast episodes of this, this podcast. There, the, the main thing that comes up with nursing students that they let us know about is the fact that they are really stressed. I think that's the, if you're listening at home, you're a nursing student, you're probably like, yeah, I am stressed out. And it's something that is really common amongst nursing students. So in that respect, what can students do, especially as they're studying? to really keep on track, minimize their stress, and even boost their confidence as they're studying for nursing school? Yeah, boosting confidence is, is a great goal. Um, and, and a couple of things, because as I said, you're not alone. And it can become frustrating for an individual if it is like clicking for another student, they get it, they understand it they're on top of their game and you're still struggling with things, with different concepts. So keep in mind that what is easy for one student might be difficult for another and their strengths and weaknesses. And, and test scores themselves, keep in mind that it's simply how you did on that test on that day. It, it isn't a reflection of you as a person, but it might be a reflection of your study habits or your stress level. So keep that in mind is that your, your test score is not who you are. Now, minimizing stress, couple of things. Number one, you have to take care of yourself. Again, um, sometimes do as I say, not as I do. But we talk so much about getting a good night's sleep before a big test or eating breakfast before a big test. But the truth is, is that you need to be eating well throughout nursing school. You need to be getting adequate amounts of sleep throughout nursing school. Because if you're not at your best when you're studying, your brain isn't as effective in learning information or applying it or retaining it. So it's not just before a, a big test, but throughout, you really have to take care of yourself. And, and that goes back to that calendar where you are scheduling time to go to the gym or you are scheduling time to go out with your friends, is that that's a big part of keeping yourself healthy. If you can, kind of, what, what's causing the stress? Is it that someone in your family is ill? Yeah, that, that means more, more concern and maybe more duties fall on your plate. And, and that's short term. So if you can kind of think ahead, I just need to get through these three days or this week. Um, Bigger concerns might be that you don't know what to do with your kids. You've lost your daycare provider. Um, that can be real stressful. And then problem solve with maybe other classmates, problem solve with family or friends. What I have found is we have a lot of resources out there that we haven't tapped. We may not want to ask for help. Um, we may not want to ask our friend to watch the kids so you can have two hours of studying. Um, ask because there are more people who are in your corner to help you get through nursing school and pass your licensure exam than you would imagine. And so it really is kind of, well, it might be difficult is letting somebody know when you're stressed and problem solving together 
how you can minimize your stress so you can go back to focusing on nursing school as a whole. You have a lot of really great tips in there. And there are two things I definitely want to follow up on. One was in regards to confidence, the idea that each person has different strengths and weaknesses. And that is something that is incredibly true. And it's it's hard if you see someone else get it. Like you said, it clicks for them and it doesn't click for you. It's one of the things I love about our Kaplan resources, not to sell them too much, but the fact that our resources are personalized to your own strengths and weaknesses. You don't really see what other students are struggling with. You're just focused on yourself. And pulling it back into here, it's a great best practice to just focus in on what your strengths and weaknesses are as an individual when you're studying. And the other thing you said, which ties really well into a previous episode we had, and I just want to plug that quickly, is the idea of staying healthy, not just when you are prepping for an exam, but throughout all of nursing school. We had a really great discussion with Rhonda Laws. It's about a 45-minute podcast episode. So if you, if you didn't hear that one, I really encourage you to go back just to focus in on this point a little bit more, because to Karen's point, it is incredibly important to stay healthy throughout nursing school. It's going to help your grades at the end of the day and just make you feel a lot happier. So if, again, if you haven't listened, I would encourage you to go back and listen to that episode because it is really great. But diving back into to this topic then, uh, you know, to kind of wrap up here with our, with our studying study habits, can you give any tips that are related to assignments and tests and, and any other last minute uh, or final thoughts on effective study habits in nursing school when it comes to assignments and exams? Yeah, assignments. Um, I think the biggest thing is really looking at a, a rubric that your instructor might provide. So life is real different in nursing school today than when I was there 25 years ago is it wasn't as structured in years past, but what we have found really looking at students and, and looking at curriculum development is if we can assist the students in understanding how we grade a particular assignment, it really increases a their ability to meet our needs. Um, and it's more black and white. There's rigor put into the course. There's a reason behind it. So if you can understand number one, the assignment, um, but number two, if you can understand that rubric, take advantage of that. It, it often will tell you, here's the criteria that you, and here's the different levels of um, rigor and the points that are assigned. So you can determine your own grade. Honestly, you can. If you want to get an A, simply look at the rubric and complete those requirements. So following the rubric, it, honestly, it's hard to get a bad grade, as long as you know the parameters of the assignment. Um, assignments are also can be tedious, and so it's making sure that you understand what is the goal of the assignment. You know, if, if, it's, a, if it's a math for meds class, the goal is to show your detailed work and get the correct answer. If it's an assignment that really allows you to come up with your own scenario, don't get so hung up on, oh man, I don't know exactly what the teacher wants. If you understand that it's a critical thinking assignment and everyone's gonna be a little bit different, that can minimize your anxiety related to that particular assignment. So ask those questions of your instructor if you're not exactly sure what's the goal of the assignment. On the flip side, then of course we've got exams. And as a nursing instructor, exams gives, gives us 
a means of really looking at what has the student comprehended. Have they kind of met those course outcomes? And, and looking at test questions, always ask yourself kind of what is, what's the question asking? And, and the more that, that you start looking at the licensure exam, the NCLEX, you know, we just, we talk about that with every question. So start that early, understanding what the question is asking and take, take that time to read the question and read the answer choices. You do yourself a bit of a disservice by simply selecting an answer right away. You wanna make sure that you're looking at the best answer of the options provided. So take the time and read all of those answer choices. Now, at the end of the day, if you're not happy with your test score, once again, that's a score and it's how you did on that test on that day. So it doesn't define who you are as a person, but ask yourself, so my score is a B and I really would like it to be higher, but did I learn the material? Yeah, I'm feeling pretty good about that. Was I less anxious when I sat for the test? Yeah, actually I was. I felt like my studying better prepared me. Well, those are two areas that are difficult to actually measure, but you have to reflect back on yourself and how you felt. And, and if you are meeting those measurements, that's a win, even though it might not be reflected in the score. All you can do is take a look at what did you do well, you know, and, and keep doing that in terms of preparation or identify what you could do differently or what you could do better. And if you constantly kind of reflect back on that after each assignment, after each exam, maybe after each study group gathering, is focus on those areas of strength that you have and then identify areas that you could change and maybe do better and spend a little bit of time identifying what you can do differently. Yeah, and, and this has all been really practical advice and there's a lot of takeaways that uh, I've taken out of today's podcast episode and I hope the listeners have as well. So uh, Karen, I just want to thank you so much again for coming on to the show a second time and you're always a great wealth of knowledge. So I have to say we'll have to invite you back and we'll have you again on the show another time and, and talk to us about another great nursing related topic. Great, Matt. Thanks for having me. Of course. Thank you so much. And for those of you who are listening at home, if you are getting ready to prepare for the NCLEX exam, which is coming up by uh, the end of the spring semester, uh, we definitely encourage you to check out kaplanursing.com. We have a lot of great resources available to you there, free resources as well, of course, to our uh, prep courses and other products that we have to help you to prepare for the NCLEX. And just because you're listening, I'll give you 10% off of anything you want on the site. Just use the promo code podcast10, that is podcast10 for 10% off of any of the products you see on the site. And of course, remember to subscribe to our podcast on iTunes or Google Play or wherever you are listening and share out the podcast with your friends, especially those who are in nursing school and uh, getting ready to prepare for the NCLEX or any nursing school exam. As always, I want to thank you all so much for listening to our podcast, and we look forward to seeing you again in a future prep cast.